0: Welcome in everyone to the Batfoot Podcast. My name is Damien here with Matt and David, and today we are going to be bringing you the 2023 World Series uh, recap, where we saw the Texas Rangers beat the Houston or the uh, Houston Astros, the Arizona Diamondbacks in uh, in five games. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, let's jump to Matt. How you doing this week? We missed you. Uh, we missed you last episode.
1: Yeah, I've been out of town a lot this October. Uh, just been at uh, been at the beach twice and. Had some uh just a lot of a lot of time out, but uh it's been a rough week. I, I was actually sick most part of the week. I had a stomach bug and a couple of days I had to miss work and was not feeling great and still kind of weak from it. And uh but I'm uh, feeling better today and um I uh ready to ready to get rolling with the uh with the recap. I was able to watch all the World Series games and it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty good World Series, I guess. I mean, there were a couple of really, really classic games in it, and then there were some games that were not so good, but um, definitely congrats to the Texas Rangers, and uh, I'm ready to get into it. How's, how's it been going, David?
2: Going all right, you know, a little busy this week, but overall, just, you know, at this point, I'm feeling that off-season optimism, right? All the the transactions are starting to come in, the 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 mystery of a new season approaching after the the finality of the last season so i've uh, got that that going for me for now but uh yeah congrats to the texas rangers for sure um uh, you know a team that we've talked about a lot this season and a team that i felt you know kind of deserved the world series title kind of from the get go from a a group that has spent a lot of money over the last two off seasons and has really set themselves up nicely for you know this season at least next season as well with with some of these contracts but uh uh, Damien, how are you doing? Before we really get into this World Series,
0: uh, I'm doing good. I'm just excited that we're uh, we're ready for postseason time or postseason off season time. I am all over the place today. Um, I'm ready for off season time. Uh, it's my favorite part of the year. So we're gonna can't wait for next week when we do the free agency predictions. But um, the uh, the World Series was I, I didn't get to watch every single game. Uh, I wish I could have, but. There was uh there was some exciting moments in it I was obviously rooting hard for the the Rangers since they have like half their rosters former Dodgers I think um so that was uh that was really fun and just overall I, I think it was I don't know if you could say kind of refreshing but like two teams that hadn't won in a really really long time the Rangers having never won a World Series I think the Diamondbacks was what 2001 um, was the last yep. time they won so it was really kind of a refreshing one I know the the ratings were down a lot but I still enjoyed it a lot. I think if you were a fan of, of really fun baseball, this was a really good series. Um, I think the name value probably hurt it, but um, overall, it was, it was a lot of fun. So uh, let's go ahead and just start breaking down game by game, and then we'll we'll kind of do the overview of it. But uh, you know, game one, uh, you had Nathan Yuvaldi versus Zach Gallon. We figured it was going to be a uh, a pitcher's duel there, and the Rangers jumped on get Zach Gallon really early in the first inning. Uh, got a walk from Corey Seager, a double by Evan Carter to take a 1-0 lead. And then Adolis Garcia singled to left to to score Carter and take a 2-0 lead there in the first inning. Um, and then that kind of held serve until the top of the third. The Rangers, or uh, Nathan Ovaldi was out there. And Corbin Carroll, uh, or you got singles from Alec Thomas and Evan Longoria. Corbin Carroll then tripled to score both of them. Uh, Cattell Marte grounded uh, into a fielder's choice. Corbin Carroll scored there. so basically. Uh, You know, gave the Diamondbacks a 3-2 lead there. Uh, And then bottom of the third, Mitch Garver uh, got a bases loaded walk against Zach Gellin uh, to tie the game again. Top of the fourth, uh, Tommy Pham hit a homer off Nathan Yovaldi to give the Diamondbacks a 4-3 lead. Uh, And then in the top of the fifth, Cattell Marte doubled to center field to score uh, Geraldo Perdomo. Uh, and then it basically held like that, which was a 5-3 lead Arizona until the bottom of the ninth when Seeger hit a homer, a two-run homer off Paul Sewald, the Arizona closer um, to tie the game at five and send this game to extra innings. Um, and then we went until the bottom of the 11th when Adoles Garcia hit a walk-off homer off Miguel Castro, um, who was one of those kind of classic games that Matt was talking about here. Um, to give the to give the Rangers a six five win and a one game lead in the World Series. So, uh, you know, first of all, what were you guys' thoughts on Game One as a whole? And we'll go ahead and uh, start with uh, with Matt.
1: Yeah, um, it was a really good game. One of the probably the best. Um, well, I say probably. It was definitely the best game in this World Series. Um, I mean, you had the, the pitching matchup was was great between Gallon and um, and Evaldi. You know, Gallon ended up hanging in there after a kind of tough start. And, uh, you know, the, the Diamondbacks were the first team that really got to Evaldi in the postseason in like forever. So uh, that was definitely an interesting thing to watch. Um, and then, uh, you know, there's the the whole ninth inning. I mean, Corey Seager is like the perfect type of hitter to face Paul Seawald. Uh, Seawald throws that high fastball with, with spin rates, but it's with high spin rates, but it's not elite velocity. And Corey Seeger's one of those guys who has a swing that can get on top of that pitch. So you know when you're facing not an elite velocity, when, when you're Corey Seager, that, that's just a really tough matchup for Seawald. And it ended up being the the home run. I think the, really the big thing that that got you know that got to me about that one was that the walk. Uh, I think he walked to Varus to lead off the inning. And um, mm-hmm. you know if you don't walk Tavares, well, that, then that home run makes it a one run game. And then, of course, you know at some point you knew the, that somebody was going to break through. And uh, of course, Adolis Garcia was the guy. He had been the hero in the ALCS, and he became a hero in the World Series in Game One. And um, you know it just that felt like such a big win for the Rangers because. Coming into this series, it felt like the Diamondbacks had to win all the close games because of the quality of their that their bullpen had been pitching with uh, so far this postseason. Whereas like the Rangers were probably going to just explode a couple times for a bunch of runs, and uh, you know that the, the, the Diamondbacks kind of had to live on the margins to win this series, and and that game one was really an example of how they did, and they weren't able to um, you know, to take advantage of being having a two run lead in the ninth inning. So uh definitely an interesting game, a lot of fun. Uh I was I was definitely uh definitely entertained by game one. It was it was a wild one for sure.
2: Yeah, watching that those last couple of innings there in Extras once, you know once Corey Seeger came up, you felt like as soon as Corey Seeger unloads that home run, that was a uh not only was it a monster home run but Corey seager was doing you know jumping around and yelling and doing kind of a celebration of a, a pimp job almost and Corey seager doesn't do pimp jobs right he he's not a guy getting typically emotional uh for home runs he's pretty stoic but him for him to go in there and 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 start jumping around and get emotional and stuff that kind of told me that this you know this rangers team that if they can if they can win this game after they've tied it in the ninth, you know, I I feel like they're not going to lose the World Series. Um, you know, and and Adolis Garcia being the guy to to go ahead and walk it off was just so textbook. I mean, once he came up, I was like he's probably just going to end it right here and he the the swing he put on the ball to get the home run was he was late on it, right? He he hit it to right field as a right-handed hitter and initially I was like, well, that might get off the wall and it kind of carried out and uh, it almost felt like a kind of a gremlin exercise from, from David freeze hitting a, a walk-off triple against, uh, the, the Rangers in 2011. So, um, you know, that was obviously a game six, maybe a more pivotal moment, but this one, you know, gets out, ends game one, gives the Rangers that one zero lead at home. Um, and yeah, uh, it was the biggest moment of the series. And, and probably the biggest moment of the whole playoffs was, was this game one. I, I felt like this was, uh, kind of pointed the series in the rangers favor and especially because they won that first pitching matchup it all kind of went downhill for the diamondbacks after game two which we'll talk about right now
0: yeah so we mentioned game one rangers get that walk-off victory at home come back the next day again at home you know feeling really high of themselves thinking we have a chance to take a real commanding lead of this uh of this world series before heading to arizona and we got jordan montgomery versus merrill kelly another kind of really good pitching duel i think we we would have expected as well. And, um, you know, it, it live was living up to the billing through three innings. It was tied zero, zero. Uh, and then top of the fourth, uh, you know, Gabriel Moreno hit a homer off of Jordan Montgomery and then Tommy fan doubled and Lord Gurriel singled, uh, singled him home. So Diamondbacks took a two nothing lead there. Uh, and then in the bottom of the fifth, Mitch Garver hit a homer off of Merrill Kelly to make it a two one Diamondbacks lead. Uh, you know, it was kind of a close game all the way until the uh, the top of the seventh there, and then Evan Longoria uh, singled home Alec Thomas, and then Corbin Carroll singled home um, Longoria. So the Diamondbacks then jumped up to a four one lead, uh, and then in the top of the eighth is kind of where it all kind of got out of hand here. You got a uh, a bases loaded single from Cattell Marte that scored two, and then Corbin Carroll uh, singled as well to score two more. So that or uh, two more, no one more. Uh, so it made it a seven one lead. And then in the uh at the top of the ninth, Emmanuel Rivera uh, singled and scored two more there to give the Diamondbacks a nine to one lead uh nine to one lead and they shut down the bottom of the ninth really easy. And uh I think the real real uh, performance of game two that needs to be talked about a lot was the pitching performance Merrill Kelly was putting on I mean, seven innings, he had nine strikeouts. I think he was only at like 94 pitches, too. He, he really even wanted to stay in the game. And uh, Torrey Lovello still pulled him because he had such a big lead there. But, uh, you know, it felt like all the momentum was with the Rangers after game one. And then Arizona comes back and just swipes all that right back away um, in game two in Texas before heading to Arizona to tie the series up. Uh, so, David, what were your feelings on, uh, on game two?
2: Yeah, really good performance by Merrill Kelly, right? I mean, he and J- Jordan Montgomery were kind of going toe-to-toe for a while, and it felt like another one of those close games, and once the Rangers' bullpen got invoked, you know, the game got broken wide open, and um, I thought that could be a sticking point for the Rangers, but, you know, looking back, it felt like almost a hangover after the Game 1 celebration where, okay, well, you know, it, we can lose. It was kind of a reality check for, for the Rangers' road here it was like we're gonna we're gonna take this oh, it wasn't like we're gonna take this one off but we, we can afford to lose one but we're gonna get back to business next time um you know Merrill kelly th- I really did throw a, a really strong game and obviously the diamondbacks bats got going in the you know later in the game so um yeah you know, i wasn't I wasn't surprised that the Diamondbacks pulled one out, but I was surprised that it, it got to be so such a large lead to where there was no chance of a comeback late. But yeah, I mean, this was kind of the, the the point at which it was like the Rangers either put up or shut up here. You know, if Game Three comes out and and the Rangers lose, then I felt like the Diamondbacks would have all the momentum and and take it the rest of the way. It was kind of at this point where it was almost like I don't know if this series is going to go the full distance i kind of feel like it's going to end early because you have two teams playing at the top of their game when they're locked in but there would seem to be some stretches where both of them had you know long long periods where they were just not you know hitting and not going quite the same as as they had in the previous series
1: yeah matt yeah i i echo that pretty much from david i think uh You know, Merrill Kelly was really the story in this game. You know, he's been a a really solid major league pitcher for a while now. But, um, you know, his postseason performance this year, especially in the championship series against the Phillies and then the the, uh, World Series here against the Rangers was was awesome. And hopefully it's something for him to build off of going into next year. And, uh, you know, the thing about the the Rangers with their bullpen, too, is that I think they had some pieces that were volatile but, but could be good in the back end of their bullpen guys like uh Chapman and uh Leclerc and, and those types uh Josh Spores, just, just some guys who are volatile but can be good um and uh but once you got past those guys you got guys who were volatile and not never good like he just uh and they ended up having to throw out a couple of guys like like Brock Burke and uh, you know I, I think that that's Probably hurt them in this game. Chris Stratton didn't do well in this game. Will Smith, even though Will Smith apparently is the savior of the of every team winning the World Series because it's three years in a row for him, but uh, he um, I think uh, this was definitely a game that the Diamondbacks you felt you felt pretty good about them splitting the first two. Um, uh, you know the pitching matchups were pretty even in those first two games, and you split them playing on the road, you go home, you've got a pitcher in Brandon Fott who's been hot lately in the postseason, Um, you know, going against the Max Scherzer who's dealt with so many injuries and then, you know, then you bullpen versus bullpen games. You feel like the bullpen game probably does favor the Diamondbacks a little bit. So you felt like game three and four, you might have a tiny advantage in that pitching matchup. So, uh, you know, you felt pretty good about taking one out of two in Texas if you're Arizona. And uh, But as we'll see, going into going into going uh, going back home, ended up not going very well for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess if you would have said that uh, that game three with a pitching matchup of Max Scherzer versus Brandon fought would be the best pitch game um, through the series by either team, um, you know, I think you might have a lot of people wouldn't have had that. Um, so, you know, we had Matt mentioned it was going to be Max Scherzer versus Brandon fought there. Uh, you know, top of the uh, top of the thirds, kind of when things got started, Marcus Simeon hit a single that scored uh, Nate Lowe. And then Corey Seager hit another homer, uh, which that'll be a common theme you'll hear here uh, to give the to give the Rangers, you know, three nothing lead early on. Uh, Max Scherzer was pitching pretty, he was, he was better than he had been in the playoffs so far. Um, and then after, I think it was coming out for the fourth inning, he, uh, he had a lat injury, I guess that really, or a back injury that, uh, really stiffened up on him. So he had to get pulled from the game. So John Gray came in, um, John Gray gave them three scoreless innings as well. Um, and Arizona didn't score until the bottom of the eighth off of the world Chapman. They got a single by Geraldo Perdomo. Um, to score Emmanuel Rivera, but that was all the offense that Arizona could muster was the one run there. So Texas ended up winning that game three to one. Um, you know, and, and taking the taking the two one lead in the in the uh, in the World Series there. You know, I if you had to pick a story for this game. Which I don't I don't know what it would be if it was Max Scherzer's injury, John Gray stepping up, Corey Seeger hitting his homer. But I mean there was a lot of different kind of stories there. I guess the biggest story might have been that Adolis Garcia got hurt right in the uh the top of the ninth there, the last batter, uh, with an oblique injury that ended up ending his his World Series two. But uh what were your overall thoughts and like what was your big takeaway from game three here, Matt?
1: So my big takeaway here was um... I think it. I think it was just, and it ended up being a theme for the last three games of this series. The Diamondbacks seemed to get a lot of base runners, and they just couldn't break through. Um, I know that in the, you know, in the eighth inning, they had Chapman on the ropes. They had first and third, one out, double play ball. I mean, that seemed to be the case for them in all three of their home games. Just they could not quite break through for a big inning, and uh, you know, part of that's just kind of a the theme of the postseason. People talk a lot about, you know, oh, we got to make more contact in the postseason. You got to put the ball in play. The teams that are big power teams aren't going to be very good. Well, when you start having to string together five, six hits in a row to score a couple runs, you know that's very tough to do off these postseason pitchers. And you kind of saw that in this series where the Diamondbacks kept getting two or three guys on base and having the bases loaded, especially in, in Game Five, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But it, some in this game too, where you know they just kept getting guys on base and couldn't break through. Um, and you know whereas the rangers could get a Corey Seeger home run and then boom that's all they needed you know so um i think that that was kind of a big deal in this game i do want to shout out john gray uh this is a guy who has spent a lot of time injured this year and just his tenure in texas so far had been kind of volatile he came up huge in the postseason in, the, in relief um i thought he was awesome um uh, you know, this is a guy who has elite stuff. Uh, you know, he had been stuck in Colorado for a while. It was an interesting signing when he went to Texas uh, before last season. Uh, hadn't worked out throughout the regular seasons, but uh, you get a guy with his kind of talent, throw him in the bullpen. Uh, that's, that's one thing you can kind of look at in the, in the postseason, too, with these teams that struggle in the bullpen. Uh, they can move a guy like John Gray, who they needed as a starter in the regular season, but now they don't need a fifth starter. So move him to the bullpen and see what he can do. And uh, he did really well for them uh, in this game, probably saved the day. And then, um, you know, they were able to close it out in the ninth inning. Uh, It did suck to see Adolis Garcia get hurt uh, and and Max Scherzer get hurt. Both of those guys ended up going out. um, And, you know, luckily for the Rangers, it ended up not mattering. And especially with the, you know, the Scherzer thing, he probably would have been the starter for game seven if they had gotten there. So, um, you know, who knows what would have happened there, but, uh, you know, Adolis going out hurt them a lot. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it ended up, uh, you know, this was an entertaining game. I thought, uh, you know, the Diamondbacks kept putting themselves in position to have chances to come back, and they just never broke through.
2: This is going to be a recurring theme on my end, but I do want to make note of Jose LeClerc and Scott, uh, Josh Sabor's uh, two of the big three guys for the Rangers that have just been dominant all, po- all playoffs. Um, one hit between them allowed uh, for the last two innings. Or actually, I guess Sabor's was the the seventh and, and Leclerc was the ninth. Chapman obviously giving up in the eighth, but it almost that this game almost made uh, Bruce Bochy kind of switch it. And I think Chapman comes in in the seventh later in the series. So you can kind of point to this and say you know, when Chapman came in and gave up a run in the eighth, they kind of moved Sabores up their circle of trust. Uh, and I think that was the right move. And what what you'll see, you know, in the next couple of games is the the Diamondbacks really don't have anything for Saborz or Leclerc, so you know, you know, this is going to be a you know difficult thing for the Diamondbacks to overcome. Is this this back end of the bullpen when they're down a run or two and they need something? Uh, Leclerc and Saborz are dominant, and they really didn't have anything uh, for them once uh, once we got to these final last couple of games.
0: Yeah, so the the Rangers there took the took the two one lead, and then game four. You mentioned it was Andrew Heaney was taking the ball for Texas, and Arizona went with a true bullpen game, going ahead and starting uh, Joe Mantiply. Uh Worked out for for Texas, especially uh, you know Heaney was able to go five innings there, give up one run. Uh, Mantiply went inning in the third, gave up one run, but. Uh, really at the top of the seconds where everything just went downhill for uh, for Arizona. You know, Leodi Leo Tavares was able to score on a wild pitch, uh, and then Marcus Simeon was tripled and scored. Um, what was that three? Two? Two? I think it was two. Two. Uh, he scored two, and then Seager hit another homer to score uh, Simeon and himself, so that made it 5 nothing, um in the top of the second. Uh, and then top of the third, Travis Jankowski doubled to score some, and then Marcus Simeon hit another homer, and basically that allowed the, uh, Texas to score five more in the uh, you know third inning to give them a ten nothing lead. And from that point, it was really just over. Arizona was able to get one back in the uh, in the bottom of the fourth with a, a sack fly from Lourdes Gurriel, and then um, in the top of the eighth, Jonah Heim hit a homer. Uh, to make it an 11-1 game. And then, uh, you know, Arizona still fought through the bottom of the eighth. They were able to score some on a Tommy Pham line out and then a home run by Lourdes Gurriel to make it 11-5. Uh, and then they got one back in the bottom of the ninth off Jose Leclerc there, Gabriel Marengo, single, um, to make it an 11-7 to uh, to seven game for Arizona, or losing Arizona, losing at home again to Texas there. So this game, Arizona just... The bullpen really just didn't give them what they needed here. Um, Going with the true bullpen game there, sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't, Um, but this Texas offense was just having no part of that and just basically took the momentum from them right away. Arizona did fight till late, but uh, overall, David, what did you think of this game?
2: Yeah, this one was over real quick, Um, and the 11-7 final score doesn't tell you the story of this one because uh, at 11-1, there was a lot of breathing room. for for the Rangers in this game. And, you know, shout out to Travis Jankowski. uh, Came off, came up as the Dulles-Garcia replacement and gets two hits, two RBI... Strong game, really. You know, good for him to have a you know a good World Series performance. And Then Marcus Simeon, five RBI, showed up finally. You know, we talked about it in the preview show. He would show up eventually, right? He's a he's a big time player, and he uh, he came out here in game three, really solidified things. And the final shout out is obviously Andrew Heaney, uh, five innings, made it not a bullpen game for the Rangers, which allows them to go to some of those arms that are a lot less reliable. Um, they do have to go to Jose Leclerc in this game which does not change the outcome of Game 5 um, and ultimately keeps them in, in contention. But, I, you know, I, I think this is a, a referendum against bullpen games. It's just you got to have a starting pitcher. Uh, the problem with the the Diamondbacks was they've been able to get away with it, right? And, and it bites them here and gives the Rangers that 3-1 lead that, you know, it's a little dreaded, but, you know, every, everybody was able to Everybody knows the the Indians lost the the three one lead in 2016. So um, the Rangers do not do that here, and I, I think it's pretty clear as to why. You know, this team just felt very complete all postseason long, and uh, they didn't let uh, that three one pressure get to them.
1: Yeah, I thought this game uh, was definitely just kind of like you said. I think the the, the Diamondbacks. Their bullpen had some really good pieces at the back end and Ginkle and Seawald and uh Ryan Thompson had pitched really well in the postseason, but that depth in that bullpen wasn't quite there this year. You had uh Frias and you had uh Castro and you had um the manta plot, like they just they were they had some some moments where they were good but they they just wasn't a very deep bullpen so if you could get your starter through six or seven innings like what happened in games the really the games that the 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 diamondbacks were able to hold the rangers down a bit you know you could get to the back end and you know you felt pretty good about your your relievers but once you started getting in the middle of that bullpen it, it just wasn't super deep and i think you saw that in this game and if you're the rangers i mean you, you can't blow that lead to the point of having to give the other team another look at your closer in that game i, I feel like that was really rough on them to to give up enough runs i i, I was asleep i went to bed when it was like 11 to 1 so mm-hmm. but uh, i woke up the next morning and um, uh, it, it was it was 11 to 7 and i was like really and you know but you can't you can't let that get to your closer so um that's uh that was kind of a rough thing but it ended up not mattering at the end of the day and um definitely a you know a bludgeoning in that game and put the pressure on the on the Diamondbacks to have to win uh and, and sometimes that and that pressure can really mount up on a young team like that so definitely a big one for the Rangers there
0: yeah, so then let's move over to uh, to game five, which ended up being the the closing game here. Uh, we got the Nathan Iovaldi versus Zach Gallon matchup again, and uh, it really lived up to the hype this time. Uh, you know, Iovaldi went six innings scoreless, uh, four hits, five. He, he had some walks, uh, five walks, five strikeouts. Uh, story I think of this game a lot was really Zach Gallon. I mean, he had six no hit innings. Uh, through this, got put back out there for the seventh. Um, and you could tell he was kind of a little bit gassed at that point, uh, you know, gave up a leadoff single to Corey Seager. Uh, Evan Carter doubled right away. And then uh, Mitch Garver singled both of them home, or sorry, only single sinker home to give them a one nothing lead there. Um, and then they pulled him and it was a really close, I mean, one run game all the way until the the top of the ninth, you know, uh, Arizona brought in Paul Seabald in the one uh, down one run there in the ninth, try and, try and get it to the bottom of the ninth in a close game. And uh, Seawald gave up a single to Josh Young, a single to Nate Lowe, Jonah Heim then singled um, both of them home and Heim went to third on a, uh, on an air. And then I think that was Alec Thomas, the ball went under his glove or something. Uh, and then Marcus Simeon hit a homer off of uh, Seawald to, to score Heim and himself. That really gave them uh, the four runs there and a five run lead in, in the ninth inning Um, to really kind of put that final dagger there in Arizona um, and give Texas the five, nothing lead uh, or the five, nothing win, I should say, um, to clinch their first ever world series as a franchise. So uh, Matt, what was your takeaway of game five and kind of just the overall world series for Texas?
1: Yeah. So uh, game five, I thought that the, um, I thought that it was, it was a really entertaining game, you know, compared to some of the others, it was, It was a game that the Diamondbacks had so many opportunities to score runs early, and they just kept getting... I mean, I don't know how Evaldi kept getting out of them, and um, you could tell every time they didn't score that the pressure was just starting to mount more and more and more, and they were struggling with runners in scoring position, and I think runners in scoring position stats aren't really the tell-all, end-all, be-all. You know, they're not super well predictive, but... You know, there are times where it can get in your head if you're paying attention to it and you're not. Um, And I think that really happened with them. I think they started taking bad at-bats with runners in Elm Base. And and like I mentioned earlier, I mean, they don't have a guy who can just get that home run and get that run that way. Like, they have to string together these hits. And sometimes it's difficult against a guy like Ivaldi, especially when he's wild, to string together two or three hits, even if you get a walk here and there. So... Uh, Gallon was awesome. Um, uh, it was the Zach Gallon that we hadn't really seen that much of in the playoffs. But man, he looked like the Cy Young contender Zach Gallon we saw in the regular season, and um, that was fun to see. And I mean, I feel like the Diamondbacks maybe felt like they had to leave him in there when when maybe he could have come out just because of the way that the bullpen had performed in the previous couple of games. They felt like the third time through Zach Gallon was probably still better than, you know, the, that that seventh inning guy like whether it was going to be uh ryan thompson or Saul frank or somebody uh and it ended up not working out for him but you know at the end of the day if you don't score any runs i mean zach allen only gave up one so if you don't score any runs then it's gonna be hard to win the game and um i think uh you know and then the rangers of course they were able to finish it off I, I, paul seawald in the ninth inning i you know i kind of feel like it would have been wise to get him out there in one of those other games um you know, after the, after game one, I, I think that was just, I think he, I don't think he pitched between game one and game five. And it feels like just for a, from a confidence standpoint, they needed to get him back out there and shake off that home run to Corey Seager, Um, you know, before he gets put into a game that's like he has to come in and not give up a run because uh, it just seems like his confidence was shot in game, game five and he struggled and, the Rangers pulled away and made it easy on their bullpen in the ninth inning. And, uh, you know, that was it. Um, uh, you know, congrats to the Rangers, their first championship. You know, they had the heartbreak in 2011 against the Cardinals. And, you know, the, the game David talked about earlier with the Nelson Cruz, missing the fly ball to right field that just went over, barely went over his head. And, uh, you know, then David freeze hitting the walk off Homer and, uh, in game six when the, the Rangers were down to a strike away, like three times. and couldn't get it done. And, uh, You know, good for them. And I do think there's been a lot of talk in this postseason about the champion not being deserving. And I feel like that probably would have been the case with the Diamondbacks. But the Rangers were a really quality team this year. They had a few stretches where they had some injuries and stuff. But I mean, they had the second best run differential in the American League. And um, they were they had probably the second best offense in baseball maybe the third best behind the Dodgers and the Braves uh in the regular season they were really 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 good this year so they that was a well built team and they definitely deserved to be in the in the playoffs they had a better run differential than the Orioles uh who won 101 games so um uh, they they were a very quality team and uh congrats to them uh, you know i think it was a great season for for them and uh, you know we'll see if they can build off of it they got a, they got a lot of pieces coming back you know, in the next couple of years that, you know, maybe, maybe you get to see Jacob DeGrom, you know, he's just, he's got his ring. Uh, Maybe you get to see him healthy again late next year. And um, this team could be here to stay for a few years.
2: It absolutely could. Yeah. I I do want to note that Josh Sabor's through two and a thirds innings. uh, That's, Seven outs, four outs of those were strikeouts, uh, only allowed one hit to close out the Diamondbacks. Just a dominant bullpen performance there. You know, the, the Diamondbacks did get to a role as Chapman, walked, ended up, you know, with some guys on base against him. Uh, you know, it was it was kind of one of those things where it, all game they were kind of tantalizingly close. And um, ultimately they don't score. And, you know, the, the Rangers, the ones who push some runs across late. I also want to note that in this World Series, Corey Seager hit as many home runs as all of the Diamondbacks together. Uh, you know, Seager hit the three, and then the Diamondbacks' whole team hit three with one each for Gurriel, Moreno, and Pham. Um, and then one story that came out of this was that Tommy Pham was looking to be the first 5-for-5 five five game in the game the, game the Diamondbacks uh, won. Yeah. Uh, he was looking to be the first 5-for-5 five five game, and Tori Lavella pinch hit for him. Uh, I think Jace Peterson was the one who pinch hit. It got traded to the Diamondbacks, and everyone was kind of like, what the hell? No one's ever hit 5 for 5 in the World Series, and Tommy Pham revealed later that he asked for Lavella to get Jace Peterson a plate appearance in the World Series, uh, which is a pretty cool move, I think. So Tommy Pham, not known for those cool moves, but... uh, definitely something positive to come out of this World Series. I think Matt hit the nail on the head with regards to the Rangers. That's a, that's a team that was really deserving all season. We talked about them a lot. They made a lot of moves. They've spent a lot of money. They've promoted prospects aggressively. You know, Evan Carter wasn't really a factor in this World Series, but he and Josh Jung both, and really Jonah Heim, all young guys who got an opportunity to start, got an opportunity to play and play well, uh, and were able to succeed on this, the big stage. So, Um, you know, there's still going to be some growing pains, I think, especially with Evan Carter, he was really not great in the world series, but you know what it's, you know, for a 21 year old kid, already having a world series ring and having this kind of experience, I think it can only be good for his career going forward. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that kind of about wraps it up. You know, this was a, a, a somewhat underwhelming world series a somewhat underwhelming playoffs, but, um, you know, I think we got the right champion out of it all. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, that's, that's pretty much the season I'm. You know, I'm excited for the offseason now.
0: Yeah, it was to see Texas finally be able to close it out after the heartbreak that they've had the their previous trips there. Um, that was really cool. Um, and then it was really cool to see you guys like Seager and Andrew Heaney and Scherzer and even Jacob DeGrom, who like wasn't able to play here. But like he's now a World Series champion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that's really cool as well.
1: And I was gonna say with Jacob Degrom, and and I think you can say this about some of these guys over the past few years that got injured, like they ha- Jacob Degrom was a huge part of this because if he didn't pitch really well for the first two months of the season before he got hurt, they would not have made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So you got to yeah. remember guys like that because him and um, somebody else on this team got hurt early that didn't play again either. I mean it.
2: Great. Really. Was, but...
1: it, it was. Definitely, like it's one of those things where like they, they do not make the playoffs. I mean, they they made the playoffs by one game over the Mariners. So without Jacob DeGrom pitching well, you know it's this World Series doesn't happen.
0: Yeah. So that was uh, that was really cool to see. But overall, as a season, I mean, I was it was it was a pretty good season. Um, I was it was interesting to see the implementations of the new rules and the the pitch clock. I think we saw I don't have the stacks back to back it up, but I think we saw a a slight uptick in pitching injuries this year. Um, So I hope that they're able to figure out. You know, and now having a full season under their belt of what it actually looks like going back, uh, you know, going into next season, able to figure out a better routine for all of themselves. Because I'm not sure we knew exactly what it was actually going to look like. And we all were playing with it for a while of the tempos of when it was supposed to be and when the clock starts and stuff. And so now they actually got that. You'll see. Um I don't think much of the other rules really affected anything. I mean, you you know, the bigger bases, you saw more successful stolen bases. I think that's just exactly what we wanted to see, but overall the season, I thought it was, it was really good. I think we might've saw a slight uptick in injuries, but other than that, it was just, it was good.
2: Yeah. The stolen bases thing was nice, right? You know, Ronald Acuna getting to 70, just that being a more integral part of the game of baseball. It's, it's always fresh. Uh, It's always nice to see that. And then, I mean, I I think the changes were really really good. You know, like you said, I I do hope there's nothing wrong with the injuries, but again, I I think that'll level out as pitchers get used to the 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 pitch clock. You know, a lot of guys are coming up with the the pitch clock now, and uh, so a lot of the younger pitchers are are utilizing this tempo and utilizing their bodies right. And I think we'll it'll overall get better on that front. But you know, for pace wise, it was very nice. You didn't really notice it and you know, honestly, it was nice to have no ghost runner and in extra innings in the playoffs. And I really wish that would just come back to the regular season.
1: Yeah. I echo what both of y'all said. It was a good season. Um, you know, some historic things this year, some, uh, some really fun, fun games, fun teams to watch. Um, I think that, um, like you said, the the big story, definitely the rule changes coming into the year. And I mean, I, you know i never really noticed the shift ban all that much honestly like if you're just watching the game um guys i think it was a good balance of of teams still being able to shift and play in a way that they you know have strategy involved but not you know but but still not have them really far out of position and stuff um so i think it cut that worked out well how they had that rule set up this year um i thought that the um the pitch clock was really good, and you t- you mentioned the injuries, and I I you know a lot of that is just year to year variance too, and and honestly mm-hmm. injuries are gonna keep going up as long as pitchers start to keep throwing at the rates that they're you know throwing as hard as they are and even harder and harder and harder throwing more breaking balls. I mean you know that that's all you know, that's that's not necessarily a trend that's new. Uh, pitching injuries increasing and. Um, you know, I know there's some guys that probably needed to get used to the pitch clock a little bit, but I I think that that's definitely something that, uh, you know, the stolen base, I I think we could use a little bit more balance because it is so difficult to hold runners now. Uh, but we could use a tiny bit more balance, but I like the, I think it's a better, I think it's better to have too many stolen bases than not enough stolen bases. Um, you know, maybe one extra pickoff move might, might help or something. I, I don't really know, but, um, you know, I definitely think that that was something that, that, that was good for the game in general. I think they could maybe tone it down a tiny bit and, and make it a little bit more fair, but um, I thought that this was a really fun season, and, uh, you know, the playoffs were entertaining. You had two games. The World Series wasn't the best World Series ever, but you had two Game 7s in the Championship Series, which was really fun to see. Um, you know, and I'm uh, excited to see what happens in the off season and going into next year. Ready to dive into that here. we'll sure we'll do that Tuesday, so.
0: Yeah, so look out on Tuesday, we're going to have our free agent predictions. Um, I don't know quite how many we're going to have yet or who we're going to have, but we'll have a lot of the big names at least. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, and then awards week, I believe, is next week as well. So we'll break that down on the on the 14th. Um, uh, and just if you guys don't know now, we are live streaming the episodes on YouTube. So if you aren't subscribed there, go subscribe, like it. You want it as we're recording it. You can, you can get there uh, if you're listening to on the podcast side. If you're listening to the YouTube side, make sure to go subscribe on the podcast side for us too. Um, so uh, that'll wrap up this episode of the Batfoot podcast. Thanks to you all for tuning in and we'll catch you guys back next week for Free Agent Predictions.